This podcast is produced by Spin Market and Digital. Welcome to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. We coach people every day on their money and how to plan for the future. As financial advisors, we're here to have an honest conversation and educate you on investing, retirement, and everything in between. And we'll throw in some sports talk along the way. Our mission and goal of this podcast is to improve your money journey and help you create the financial life you deserve. So let's talk money. And sports. Hey, everybody. Producer Caleb here. Just really quick before this episode gets started, I just wanted to come on here and say thank you all so much for your support over the last few months. We've seen some tremendous growth with the podcast. Um, Viewership has gone way up. Uh, uh, the amount of people that have just come up to Cole and Cole and Bailey and just said, wow, I heard your podcast. People they didn't even know that um, just found them on the golf course uh, and said, hey, we, we saw your podcast. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. Keep it up. So we just want to say thank you so, so much for all the support you've given us. Um, one thing about this podcast is the between Cole, Cole, Bailey, and myself, we're all on vacation over this two weeks. So we didn't get the chance to record any new content. So what we did is we took from January till now, over the last six months, we took our favorite clips and segments from different podcasts we've done and put together a 40-minute podcast for you highlighting our favorite moments um, and our best tips that uh, that they've given. So things like how to find your unclaimed assets, why is it important to have a budget, how to talk to your mom and dad about money. Um, maybe you have a, a relative that doesn't want to talk about it. Well, this is how you should talk about it with them. We have a clip in there from our interview with Abby Stromberg of Stella's Coffee Bar about how she got started and why it was important for her to chase her dreams. Um, so it's a very good, it's still a great podcast. Listen to the whole thing. Maybe it'll remind you of something that you had learned that maybe you forgot to do. But also, say you know somebody who doesn't listen to the podcast, but you think this would be a great podcast for them. This is the episode to send to them, and here's why. They get a bunch of great content in a lot less time. There's no sports talk. There's none of the extra. It's just our best tips and tidbits and segments from the last six months. And so send it to them, have them listen, and maybe they'll enjoy the podcast and they'll come back for our um, next full episode. Our next full episode will air on July 7th, first thing in the morning. So when you're driving to work, make sure you turn the podcast on, listen to the whole thing, um, and like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, do both if you haven't. Um, it really helps us to grow um, and get the word out about the podcast. We are excited to see where it goes over the next six months after such a great first six months of 2023. And uh, we just, again, appreciate all the support. And uh, we're excited to bring some brand new content in a couple more weeks. So thank you all. Enjoy the episode. We had a great event. It was talking about volatility and market, keeping their perspective, sticking to your plan. And as we know, there's a lot of emotions in investing. There's a lot of emotions, especially in today's world. And we're talking about how everything's at a tip of our fingers today. News travels fast. And we're kind of going to recap the event and go over all that. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's different today than it was 20 or 30 years ago. You don't wait for the paper to get your, to get your news anymore. It's, it's at the palm of your hand, literally. And uh, so Sean talked a lot about, you know, when you see these headlines, Dow tumbles on fears of recession. Market in turmoil. Market in turmoil. You know, take it into perspective and actually look what's going on. Because he said he he showed a couple headlines and then he actually showed like the return that day. And it was Dow tumbles on rate fears was one of them. 
and it was down 0.7%. Well, yeah, because he was talking about how his dad used to be in this business, right? The business that he was a financial advisor. And then he said he never checked the news because he was at work every day talking. He was engaged. He knew what was going on. And then he would start reading the paper when he retired and he would see all these news and he would start to panic like, oh, I just retired. Oh, I just turned over my clients. And it's crazy how headlines really do grab people. Right, right. And, and, and his whole thing was like, okay, well, yeah, the market is volatile. I mean, it, it is going to go up and down. It's very, uh, you know, prevalent that it's going to do that. And I think you've got a stat on on how often the market goes down during a year, and we'll, we'll go through that. But it's all about sticking to your plan. You know, re, you can always reassess your risk, but don't, don't do it out of fear or emotion. Do it out of, like, this is our plan is to go from moderate to moderate conservative at, you know, age 70 or, or whatever age it is and stick to your plan. And that's, you know, part of the reason you have a financial advisor, obviously. Yeah. I think, uh, most people need to know, or some people do things on their own, but a lot of people do work with advisor and it's important to, to ask, you know, communicate that you're uncomfortable or maybe you're feeling emotional or you're, you know, you're, you're uncertain. And that's, that's the first step of, of, Hey, maybe just say, Hey, I don't like this. And then you can maybe understand better. Or if you do need to reassess your plan or your risk or what portfolio objective you might have, uh, you know, that's the time you need to start having those conversations and the people that just kind of keep it to themselves and work themselves up, read the news signs, get on Twitter. You know, those are the things. And that's, I always try to say, you know, don't, don't even look at the news, you know, keep the stock channel off, you know, cause, cause fear sells. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, Fox news, CNN, all these, you know, they, they want the, the negative headlines cause that's what drives viewership to them. And that's what, you know, causes, you know, our lives to be a little crazy at times, you know, and we're always trying to coach people to take a little, take some of the emotion out of it. And that's easier said than done, but having a plan and having and communicating, you know, can really help, help soften that. Well, and then we hear this a lot. There's a herd mentality. So when you hear one person say, oh, I got out, the market's going bad. It's never going to go up. The world's crap. You know what I mean? People hear that and like, oh, my neighbor got out. I got to get out. And we talk about this a lot too, is everyone's plan's different. Like do not, if Cole P was like, oh, Bailey, I did X, Y, Z. That doesn't mean I should change my plan because they don't look the same. We have different incomes, goals, priorities. And I feel like that's very common in today's world is to one, hear the news and then hear what other people do. And that's another important part of walking along advisor. Yeah. Don't, don't compare your plan with your friends because your strategy and your retirement and everything that you want to do with the money that you saved up is, is virtually never, never the same as the other person. So it's not, it's not something where we can do this. We don't do the same thing for every person at all, not even close. And, and it's, um, it's definitely customized to your situation, your plan, your, um, you know, fears in retirement or your concerns, I guess is probably a better word. So it's not something that we're going to do the same thing for every, every person. We might do something similar or something like that, but, um, just because one person has this plan, uh, doesn't mean the next one is going to. And Cole, you have some really good statistics and it also age-based. It's very important. Obviously, and Sean talked about this, the three years before retirement, after Obviously, there's strategies and protections you can do during turbulent markets. But overall, why don't you give some statistics for people? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, there's a chart Sean put up, uh, a visual, and it, you know, puts it in context of all the volatility. And it's it really what it is. It was the, the S&P 500 on a bar chart or a dot chart uh, from 1980 to 2023, showing, you know, a 40 plus year returns. And, and what was fascinating about it, it was the average down point. At, at over that 43 year period was 
0.3%. And so didn't you say every year we had at some point we were down, the market was down. There might be one in there somewhere, but it looked like almost, I would say 95% that you can see on the chart because they do kind of lump some of the years together, but it was down at some point in any given year. But on average, you were down 14.3%, which is, you know, that's a pretty significant pullback and think about that. So, but on the other side of the fence is your average rate of return over that whole time period, that 43 years, if you just rode the market up and down all those waves was 8.7% annually and 74% of the time of those years are almost three fourths of the time you were positive return over that whole, whole period. So put in context of like at any point you're down 14% and if you're always selling when down most of the time you're losing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, three fourths of the time that was the wrong decision. And yeah, we're not always, that's, that's what, you know, everyone always uses a crystal ball analogy, right? If I had my crystal ball, but that's the thing is like, it's what those numbers tell you is it's more important to be in the market than to try to time the market and have a plan, right? And that's, it's being in the market with a plan. All right, Cole J, I heard you have a tip for me today. Yeah, well, this kind of ties into our budgeting. Caleb, uh, potentially. Caleb, you know, take notes. Grab, yeah. grab it. I have got pre-approved for mortgage, right? Yep. So, so he's, uh, you know, in this, but, uh, just a quick tip here. So if you have a 30 year, and I'm talking about a 30 year fixed rate mortgage, but this can really apply to any loan. So if you, if you have a 30 year fixed rate mortgage and you do nothing different, say your, your mortgage payments was a thousand bucks a month for 30 years. If you just take that thousand and do 500 twice a month. So 500 on the first, 500 on the 15th. Now you do have to get ahead one month to get this. You'll shave roughly three years, just not quite three years off your mortgage by doing nothing different. And that's, that's really attributed to, because you pay daily interest on your mortgage. So you're paying 15 days early on a portion of the, the interest every month and over a 30 year lifespan of that mortgage. It's about three years. Now, I will say the caveat, not every bank will allow you to do that. So, but, but that can apply to almost any loan. If you just want to pay, you know, your, your car loan, you want to take it instead of paying monthly, you pay weekly, you're going to save that daily interest, you know, over that lifespan of that loan. So it's going to get you doing no more money coming out of your pocket. You're paying the same amount, but you're just paying it ahead. And you're paying a little less interest because you're, you're paying less days. That's a great tip. And and I told Cole, I was like, I've never heard that before. And I've been doing my payments wrong my whole life. So I will be switching a lot of things around. Just enhancing people's life through a podcast, right? Yep. One money tip at a time. That might be the, the best tip we've ever had on dollars yep. and cents. Yeah. Guys, I'm in my first meeting. I'm younger. I'm saving. I might even be younger, but I might be. Why do you need my mortgage statement? Why do you need my vehicle loans, my business loans, my credit cards? What do you guys look at with that stuff? Yep. So, you know, this really comes into kind of the budgeting aspect of, of when we're sitting down having meetings with clients. And, and really, we're going to talk two different types of budgets, right? You got the, the pre-retirement budget. Maybe that's, you know, a young, young person like Caleb's family or young family. We're talking a lot more in the debts, liabilities. Where is your money actually going month to month? Where's that paycheck going? And then on the other side of that, that's the, the post-retirement budget. And that's where maybe we, we handle a lot more just with our clientele base, but we do do a lot of both. And that's, you know, what are you going to be spending in retirement? You know, is that travel? Is that, you know, healthcare needs, medicines? What, what does that look like? So two different types where a lot of times in retirement, you got a lot, you know, your mortgage is gone. Not always, but most of the time your mortgage is gone. You don't have that car payment, but you know, and I, and I'm maybe I'll talk, I'll let Cole talk a little bit more on the post-retirement, but the, the pre-retirement. So, so the, you know, Caleb, Caleb comes in and um, he gives me all of his debt statements, you know, and we're going to go through and look at some different strategies to say, Hey, maybe there's something that's a 
you know, higher interest rate or something we can look at refinancing or pay a little bit more on and pay a little bit less of something else and, uh, and look at where, you know, where, the, where is the money actually going? And that's where we start there and kind of do an analysis or a deep dive on, on where's the money actually going. Yeah. And I've also, I've also seen people in that age range where I'm like, why are you double paying your mortgage? That's 3% and you're single paying your car payment, which is 8%. Like yep. yeah. we're going to, and, and not that, not that, uh, that people like Caleb, uh, are, you know, he's a great example. That, so. we're gonna keep yeah. We, yeah. Keep yeah. Pointing. And, and Caleb has, hasn't come in and told us all the stuff we're, we're just using him as an example, but, um, at the same time, you know, some things that, that may seem obvious to us because we look at this stuff all the time are not always obvious to everyone else. So we're going to, we're going to ask you those, those questions and some of that stuff, you know, maybe you won't know the first meeting or something, but we're going to ask you, you know, try to get what your interest rate is on your car loan, you know, especially if you have a big one or get your interest rate on your business loan, get your interest rate on your, you know, so we want to see those things because we're, we're really interested in where your money's going, what debt you're paying off and can we save more if we pay off less debt, you know, how, how do we want to go about that? Yeah, I think we, you know, we become like a uh, intermediary or a discipline. Sometimes, you know, it's harder for people. It's easy to get a credit card. It's easy, you know, for, I got for several mo- of them. Yeah, for most people, <laughs> it's easy, right? So, so that's where you know having those conversations. I think that's the. It's a lot of times people know, but you know, pointing it out, getting it on paper, kind of black and white of like, oh, I am you know, spending this and I'm paying. A lot of people don't know what yeah. they're paying yeah. in interest. I was just going to yeah. say that a lot of younger people. No idea. Even if you say, what do I make? Like they're like, oh, something around. They, you know what I mean? And just to know exactly what's coming in, what's going out. I think a lot of people won't, don't want to look at their debt and put it in front of them. Cause then they're more like, oh, that's a lot or overwhelmed yeah. or just don't even know where to strategize. Or it's actually almost freeing to look at it. Like here's my mortgage. Here's my student debt. Here's my car loan, credit card, whatever. What's, have a plan. What's priority? Where can I put a little extra or where can I? And that's kind of what, and I've used this analogy with cold P. Like I work out, right? I don't just make my own workout plans. I don't just do it on my own. I follow a plan. I have like fitness planners. I have Peloton and they do my workouts. And it's like that same guidance. Like I think you're overwhelmed because you, you don't you go know to the to gym look. without yes. any idea of what yes. you're going to do. You're, yes. you know, you're probably, I mean, you can get some stuff done, but you're not going to yeah. be that productive. Or if you go and you know, you have eight things you're going to do and accomplish in yes. this time period, you're going to get a lot more done. Yep. Like same with your budget. Same with your budget. I'll, I'll give a, a real life example of this. Cause I had a client, she, she was, you know, in her thirties and she came in and she wanted to, to invest some money. She had saved up some money. She had about $50,000 sitting in savings. I was like, Oh, great job. You know, that's awesome. You know, especially at your age. Um, she's like, you know, I wonder what, what to do this. And, and sometimes people wonder why we ask these all these questions. So I started asking her questions, and and she told me eventually we got to the debt, and she said she had ten thousand dollars worth of credit card debt. You're like, why? You have 50, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's the interest rate on that? She's like, oh, I don't know. Well, we brought it up, and it was like twelve point nine nine percent that she was paying cool. interest on this, and she had been carrying a balance for over a year. And I'm like, you have fifty thousand dollars in savings, and at that time it was only earning like one one percent. And I'm like, that's earning one percent, and you're paying twelve point nine, like, and and. It, and, and don't think that like I'm, we talk down to people. We just kind of make them realize or open their eyes to like, oh, I should use 10,000 out of my savings and pay off that credit card debt and then maybe invest 20 instead of investing 30. Yeah. I, I get a question, but maybe for both of you mm-hmm. two, this is, this is a good one that comes up is when we are talking about the buckets of accounts, you know, the savings, checking, 
you know, uh, talk a little bit about like emergency savings. Yeah. That's, that's something, I guess, what's your guys' thoughts or philosophy on that, on, on how I, you look at it? Um, young people with, without kids, I think matters. Like we have three kids, okay. obviously my this is that emergency pre, pre fund and post yep, retirement is very important, too. probably more than Caleb right now who could maybe get by with three months expenses. But I think a great rule of thumb is three to six months of your fixed expenses, like your mortgage, your lights, your water, you, you need the food, the basics. How, how do you, you know what it. your fixed expenses are? Oh, I budget them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's where it all yeah. kind of works together. Yes. That's that's maybe, the important piece. Maybe to break it. that down for a budget. Fix it, 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 an easier way to go about it instead of if yeah. if they don't want to do a budget or if you haven't done a budget it is just three to six months of what your earnings are. Yep. Too. Yep. So you can yep. you know if you make uh, thirty five thousand dollars a year, you cut that in half to seventeen thousand five hundred. You know, in in some somewhere between zero and seventeen thousand five hundred is what you should have saved up. Mm-hmm. You know, just in case you were to you know lose your job or someone got hurt, something like that. That way, you you have something to fall back on. Where if you're not collecting a paycheck, yep, yep. Everyone, get your emergency fund in line. Yep, yep. All right, Cole J, break that down though. We'll click on the budget. Like I'm sitting down. What are my fixed, non-fixed? What do I look at? Yep. So your you know your fixed stuff would be obviously your first. You got to start with your income, right? What are you making? What's coming in? right? That's income. You know, maybe you got investment income, you got a business, whatever it might be. Then you go into your, you know, your fixed liabilities or fixed debts. So that'd be your, you know, your car payment, your house payment, you know, any medical bills, student loans. That's a, that's a hot topic right now. Um, and then your, you know, your, your non-fixed or things would be credit card debt, you know, maybe, um, you know, Eating out? Uh, yeah. Eating out, yes. <laughs> Everyone eating out. Starbucks. That's, yes. Star, yeah, Starbucks your, for your, Chelsea. Your, your Starbucks budget, gifts. you know. Yep. yep. Gifts. Birthdays. You know, Christmas. Stuff like that. Christmas, yeah. right? Var- that's, variable expenses. You know, those that, are things that, you know, change. we're going to go through throughout the year of, of getting an understanding are. And then obviously, then you got to shift into, okay, now I want to save for retirement. You know, what's my fixed retirement savings? You know, yep. is, am I doing contribution to my Roth IRA? Am I doing a non-qualif account? Am I saving, you know, for my kids' education? Um, those are all things that, you know, and that's where I always treat those, um, when I talk to clients about, you know, what should I save for my kids, right. Or, or that extra savings where it might be is I try to always get them to look at it as a bill, mm-hmm. you know, like, yep. Hey, that's a fixed yes. expense. That's the cost of, of making it work. You know, you can't let that be the, the, Oh, should we go out to eat all week or not save for that 529 account? You know, and it's like, Pay yourself you, you got to treat that as a bill and treat your savings as, as a, as a fixed expense. Hey there, listeners. This episode of How to Money with Cole and Cole is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but for me, finding the work-life balance of being a husband and father and working a job has been so rewarding, but it also can be so exhausting. And that's why it's important for me to take care of my health and not just my physical health, but my mental health. And that's where therapy comes in. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. And you know what's great about it? It's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of challenges. To get started, you just have to answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you with more scheduling flexibility at a more affordable price. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com CFG to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash C-F-G. 
Yeah. So I got a question for you, Abby. Uh, so obviously you're a young entrepreneur. I'm not, I won't discuss your age, but you're young. You're younger than me. <laughs> Everyone's um, younger than you in the room. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Well, I think she's younger than you. Yeah, too, I know. Okay? I know. I'm starting to work my the way The only up. one younger is Caleb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you're a young entrepreneur. Uh, what advice would you give to another person that maybe is thinking, has an idea like, like you did, like, Hey, this, this kiss could work. Um, what, what would be a piece of advice that you'd give that person to, uh, hopefully make them successful? Oh gosh, a very loaded question too. Um, so I mean, ideas, if it's an idea, um, obviously it's always something worth looking into. Obviously there are things to, that should be taken into factor when you have an idea too. I mean, obviously like are first, are you financially capable of doing it? Like if it's ever going to be something that is literally gonna, you know, ruin your family or put you in financial turmoil, you have to take that into consideration. I think sometimes ideas are great and they're fabulous and they're worth looking into and follow your dreams. I'm all for it, but you have to also be aware of your financial Situation. situation yeah so so be responsible about your yeah. current financial sure. situation For don't sure. be yeah. reckless in chasing it yeah right. i mean don't get me wrong you have to it's a, whenever starting a business it's a chance it's mm. a risk this could have went totally a different way for me you know mm. um well it did but, for a while yeah, and, and yeah you, it definitely did for yeah, a while be flexible right yeah and just get ready to work if you you know it's uh, it's always a funny joke. People are like, yeah, I was sick of working 40 hours a week. So instead I just decided to work every hour of my 80. day. Yeah. 80 hours a week. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I week. mean, cause what time did you say you get to sell us? Um, you know, I'll probably wake up at like 4am, get there about like 430, um, five o'clock and then. Yeah. Yeah. You're there. You're, you're going before yeah. people even think so, about it. Yeah. Just get ready to work. You beat Cole P and I to the office. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> impressive. Sometimes. They yeah. don't, they don't have to take the kids to school. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm oh, just oh, is that shot? <laughs> there was a shot, but I will say this, like when you take a risk in a business, you're taking a risk on yourself and like, for sure. I mean, obviously Which is you so knew great. yourself yeah. that you would. Yeah, definitely. You all like taking that risk on yourself, believing in yourself is super important. If I would have went off of what everybody else would have told me, I would not be doing this right now. Right. Especially when I started the camper, there are so many people who thought that this was not going to work. I was just talking to Cole's wife about this. I'm like, whenever you start something, you start small, right? Like nothing yeah. just explodes. Like no one sees the work you put ahead of time. No. And everyone's a naysayer. But then when it blows up, they're all like, oh, but did you, you know, I know that person. Like I'm, I was for that person. You know or, I mean? or you hear that. Oh, it must be nice. Yes. You must know, you be got nice. Something nice and it's like, but you're well, not up at 4am yeah, and see... steaming clothes, making coffee, making the calls, putting yeah. yourself Taking out the risk. there. Yeah. For Taking sure. The risk. So like kudos to you. All right. Missing money. Ooh. Here's our dollars and cents today. The National Association of Unclaimed Property Administrators estimates there are $70 billion in unclaimed assets across U.S. state treasuries. That's about- That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. They, they're, this stat, I mean, they average one in seven Americans have unclaimed property that's unclaimed. What does Hopefully that mean? just one billion of that is mine. Yeah. yeah. No. I looked at my, well, there's, a, I'm going to give you a website here at the end for a little oh, actionable yeah. item, but- we I can put my that name, in the show notes. I looked my name up. Nothing. I don't have any unclaimed property. I know. So I, I, know. Was, I, was I know where my money is. I know. So it, it's 
About one in seven, like I said, about one in seven Americans have unclaimed assets that range from, you know, it could be dormant bank accounts to, you know, unclaimed life insurance benefits. I think some, one of you guys talked about- Lost four, 401ks. Yeah, lost like a lot of young people have 401ks yep. and they switch jobs and forget. So to check this, you know, to see, you can go to, there's a website, uh, it's missingmoney.com. That's it, missingmoney.com. You can type in your last name, a state, or just type in your last name. Now, if you have a, you know, Peterson- you know, there's probably a lot of Petersons. You, know, you don't right? have to put like your social security yeah. number or nothing, anything like that. Nothing. And, you, and it, it's by state and it'll even have your name. Like I saw some of my relatives on there and then it has an asset amount. Obviously, if it's a large asset, it doesn't disclose. It says undisclosed on there. So you can see, but if it's like a petty cash amount, say it's like 25 bucks or I saw a lot of like PayPal or things where someone probably had a closed account or a closed bank account and stuff. But yeah, interesting. Did you so, let your family know? Uh, no, I haven't yet. I would started, you know, Typing my family in. I did a bunch just to Start see. Searching. I was like, just in case, you know, and I want to be the hero here. We will, right. And we'll sure. put the we'll put the the website address yeah. in the description of this episode so you guys can go click on it and go check yeah. for yourself. But I do think that ties in. We as just Americans, we live a very, very busy life. And I think it's so easy to not review, not check in with yourself, and lose some stuff along the way. But that's an interesting stat. How often have you had that of like, oh, I have a I know I have an account somewhere, but I can't even. And sometimes it takes at. us months to find it. Yeah. 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 We're you calling have to call numbers. Or- it's like if you don't have a statement or you know what company it's at, I mean, you can call your old HR department and they're probably going to know where it's at. But so I'm talking about 401k specifically. But if you don't have a statement or have an idea of where it's at, it's, it's impossible for us to find. I guess I could probably start going on this website when people yeah. do say that and typing their name in and see if they do have any. I wonder so. how many unclaimed life insurance benefits i bet there's a lot probably a lot just because yep. one they don't have the benefit yep. beneficiaries the way i want them or the correct contact information or someone didn't settle an estate correctly or they didn't have a will and it just you know is still at the insurance company well I, I, but typically when you fill out the beneficiary information you give them their address and phone numbers and stuff and that stuff changes obviously so if they send the death claim packet out after they get the death reported from you know wherever uh that that might go to the wrong address. That's what I'm so, saying. And then yeah. they don't even know about Someone it. Someone doesn't even know. That old school, there's a lot of people old school too. They don't even tell their family what's coming down the down the pipe. So we're the, making sure having that, you know, that uh, organizational door with all your life insurance policies and then safety your, box. your Cole Peterson's, you know, uh, business card in there knowing that Cole handles my finances. So you can call in that conversation. 100%. What, what is, uh, what would you say like the most common question when, you're speaking or you're, you're at an engagement or you're at a podcast, taping a podcast with a group of uh, financial advisors. What's your most common question that you feel like you get? And um, how do you feel like maybe you could combat that question that, you know, maybe it doesn't get asked as frequently? Well, what surprised me, especially early on, was regardless of the audience I was speaking to, one of the, during the Q&A was always, how do I talk to, you know, that my parents, they're aging and I'm worried they're going to have enough money. How do I talk to my sister? She's my twin. I'm worried that she's not, you know, not managing her money and not saving enough to how do I talk to my kids about money and so on and so on. It was to, to the point where I just started building it into my presentations because it's while money is such a big part of our life, we are not good talking about it. And I also had some of, you know, I'll, I'll blame Bob the boomer, but he's like, you know, they're not teaching financial literacy anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, not how to check, you know, balance your checkbook. And 
I don't think it's true. I think the teachers are doing a really good job. I think our students want to learn and are hard at it. But I think as a society, we're not talking about it enough. And if you don't talk about it, you don't learn it. I would and agree with that. It's such a big part of our everyday life that we need to make make financial literacy part of our everyday life. I feel yeah. like a lot of people, if they just don't look at it or talk about it, they just then they're not going to worry about it. Like I have friends and I'm younger that they're just like, oh, you know, I just it's not my thing. So I'm not going to I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to learn about it. Or I think you're they're so intimidated by it or they miss that basic conversation that I think you're teaching and speaking to people about. Well, and there's a perception that you have to be really good at math. Yes. And if you didn't make it through calculus with A's, you weren't going to be good at it. And the reality is, you know, we all love those great stories about the janitor who worked, you know, who died and left, you know, $5 million to the school because he saved all his money and invested it. It's all relative, right? We're, you're, you're always, you know, with money, I feel like everyone's, it's, you can measure it, right? So everyone's always measuring, oh, I should have this amount of money. Or how much should I have? And it's a, it's a tough thing because it's always based on the individual. Like, I don't need the same amount as Cole or Bailey or you. Um, and it's, it, yeah, and I think a lot of people are intimidated by that, by that conversation. Yeah, some of, the, some of the wealthiest clients that I have seen never made over $100,000 a year. They were just good at saving and good at, and they had a plan from the start. They had a plan from age, you know, 22 on mm -hmm. that they were going to retire at 65 and they wanted this amount of money and they were going to invest. And so it doesn't necessarily always mean you have to make a bunch of money to have a bunch of money at the end. You just have to have a plan. Um, and that's, and that's kind of where we, you know, where we come in with people, uh, that we, you know, try to teach them about coming up with a plan and coming up with a, a way to save your money instead of just, you know, kind of willy nilly throwing money into your 401k and doing or this and doing that. trusting someone that just said, oh, this is the best product for you. That's what you should do with your money. A fiduciary. A fiduciary financial advisor makes investment decisions with your best interests in mind. What does that mean? Colpe. So it, it means that you have to, we have to keep the client's best interests in mind when we are making investment decisions for them that we can't do what's in our best interest and maybe put them in something that's higher commission or higher fees or anything like that. So we have to, uh, you know, we have to keep the, the client in mind and we have to make sure that we are doing what's best for them. So you guys are fiduciaries. So, yes, we are. And it's a, a legal obligation, right? We're bound legally, you know, similar to any other profession that, that has the licenses, attorneys, doctors, CPA. Yep. CPAs. Yep. Okay. And we have, we have insurance to cover. Um, you know, it's called errors and emissions insurance. So we have insurance to cover if somebody does think that we're not acting in their best interest. Um, and hopefully we don't get any of those complaints, but that, that people can file complaints and do and sue us for that. Cause we do have insurance for that. But, um, you know, thankfully that hasn't happened to any of us in this room, but it does happen. Um, you know, just like any industry industry, there's good financial advisors and there's not so good financial advisors. Just like there's good doctors, there's bad doctors. There's good dentists, there's bad dentists. You know, there are uh, different, you know, different types of, of uh, people in our profession. Um, but I would always look for somebody that is a fiduciary. We have been getting that a lot. And that's why we brought it up is a lot of people have been asking. I mean, me and Cole, I think, have came across three new clients. Like, are you a fiduciary? And it's becoming more popular. And so I just wanted to, people to know that there are people out there you can work with that are not fiduciary. Yeah. You can, you can be a financial retirement planner and not be a fiduciary. You can't be an investment advisor representative and not be a fiduciary. So what qualifies you to be a fiduciary? What qualifies you? What makes you one? 
first and foremost, it's our, our registration. We're investment advisor representatives. Um, there's multiple, you know, types of financial advisors, you know, uh, brokers, all kinds of stuff. So it is important to know, you know, what the person you're working with, whether they're a fiduciary or not, investment advisor, financial advisor, financial planner, there's all kinds of terminology, but the best, best case to always do is just ask, ask your advisor. And, you know, you can always go and look up on broker check. Um, if you ever want to know, it's, it's a FINRA RAN organ, which is our regulator. Uh, they have a website. You can go and type in. Cole you know, Jasky. Yep. And see, you know, anything on there, see my licenses, where I'm licensed to do business at, you know, my broker dealers, all, all the stuff there. So, um, what if they can't spell Jasky? Yeah, it's, it's tough. You can search by like zip code. So, <laughs> yeah. so Just good luck. Fort Dodge, yeah, Iowa. I have to do yeah, That's a kind of running joke. You guys probably hear me on the phone. Like I'm like J is in Jaguar. A is <laughs> an apple. E is an echo. As is every single time I say I'm spelling my email or something over the phone. Well, on my phone, when you call, it's like cold. Yeah. We had to change it on the voicemail. We had to like yeah. chop yeah. his name. It's a running joke. That's really good to know though, because it sounds not important, but it's important to know who like just who's taking care of your money. Do they have the right qualifications? Are they acting? your best interest so then you don't end up in a situation where five years from from now you're like oh why did they put all my money in that you know what i mean they they have to do what's best for you and there's a lot of i don't want to say influencers but there's a lot of people online which have some have great content i'm not saying that but they don't have any obligation to do what's best for you i think i think the the that is a huge thing like tiktok and stuff that are given advice and it's it's kind of scary because it's general advice, but sometimes people take it very like real, like, oh, I need to do that, but they don't know your whole situation. And that's where it's important kind of going back of like working with an individual. Yeah, there's general advice, but there's also very specific needs and things that don't apply. You live in a certain state, your taxation's different, you know, versus what they might be. They're blanket statements. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. be careful of that stuff. And and I love how readily available the education is. But it's still, you know, our business is a is an individualized business still, and you, I think each scenario is different. Okay, I like this one. This is a Googler. The Googlers Googled <laughs> how to track my investments, like how they're doing in my net worth. Yeah, so I guess I'll I'll give um, I'm gonna start with maybe the net worth side because uh, this is something I do. I again, no great. I I don't have any great original ideas, but I I read a book. You stole um, it. Yeah. I, I don't say read, the title. Uh, I re- no, I won't say the title. I read a book. I don't know what book it, it what was. It was a real estate book, but it was this person in the book that was telling the story. They had met with a mentor, you know, all down the chain. And the, the first thing the mentor said is like, you need to track your net worth on a, on a monthly basis, which I'm probably a little over the top on it. I don't think monthly is, you know, depending on what you're doing, a lot of people's won't change that much, but I do. I have quite a few different business entities, things where real estate, different values that I do want to know if I need to focus more time or something I'm doing is not doing well. I want to have kind of a a history of that so I can see trend lines. So I track my net worth on a monthly basis. I just have a spreadsheet. I go in and I just update. It's all. I want to see the spreadsheet. Microsoft, you know, the Microsoft office or, or Google sheets, whatever you do, you know, they're they're uh, make everything pretty easy, but I just go and update it once a month. And then I track the total on one page. So I have multiple sheets, track the total and I put a, I put it red or green. So if it went down, I put red, if it went up, it went green. And some of it's subject on the values of my retirement accounts and, and some of it's subjective. Like, I don't know the market value of my home, but I have a, you know, I keep it pretty Good just idea. steady. Yeah. I just sure. keep it pretty steady. I'd be conservative on things, but I want to know, you know, whether or not I'm making, you know, if I look over that year, did I trend up or down? 
if I trended, yeah, if I trended down, why did I trend down? Maybe I took more debt on or something, or I made a bad consumer, you know, purchase, Mm -hmm. um, you know, then shifting over the investment side. I think it's really subject to what you have, you know, each, each investment account, they have their reporting tools, Cole and I, and Bailey, we have, uh, different tools that we use to, to, to show day, yep, six months. Yep, yeah. to show yeah. reports. And that just depends on what you have. Yeah. I have people, clients that look at it every day, which I wouldn't recommend uh, because you, you kind of get it. We do have some that do though. We do have some that, that look at it every day. And usually the people that look at it every day don't, um, you know, freak out when the market goes down. They're, they're, they just want to know approximately where they're at. Um, but there's, there's a good way to track it is just log on to your accounts. Yeah. I mean, I, so many clients that I run into are, uh, will have their 401k and, and they'll be like, I'll, I've never logged on. I have no idea how much is in there. And it's like, well, how do you know if you were invested correctly or how do you know, uh, you know, yeah, they just you don't have check your beneficiaries check it. So if you, if you want to know where you're standing, you're interested in your investing, you, you've got to, you got to keep track of it. I mean, you've got to have a way to log in and see what your balances are if you don't. Pretty do much that. everywhere. It's Pretty like almost we're such everything. visual people. And that's funny you said about the net worth, net worth thing. I read it. I'm not going to say it. I was listening to a podcast, this person <laughs> I read. They said the power of visually seeing your net worth, even quarterly, like just putting it up and like it's so powerful. But same with investments, like go in and look at them. Like I, I can't even, I can't even tell you how many people have been like, oh, I haven't logged in. I haven't logged in my 401k in six months or my, whatever it may be. And I'm like, oh. <gasps> Like, you know what I mean? Like, just look at it. It's okay. Visually see where you're at. Some people are out of sight, out of mind because it works you up. But I I do, I agree with that on like, especially on the debt side. I think if you have a a goal of like paying down your debt, writing down that goal, and then also visually tracking like the progress you're making. And that's a great way to do it with debt specifically. um, You know, if that's really a, especially because a lot of times those are shorter term goals, right? I want to like 12 months where retirement could be a 40 year, could be a 40 year goal. So it's a little harder. But I will say this at a, girl come in the other day and she had a ira ira <laughs> and she didn't know what it was in it was just sitting in a money market she's like i don't know how it's doing but it was just a money market it wasn't a lot but it still it just matters it makes a difference to see what it's in it's a good question should i be paying down my debt more or investing more what interest rate do you have your debt at my house is at 2.34 that's the only debt i got right now so i don't good i'm just you. Like, okay so so there's and when I have this That'd conversation, yeah, I conversation, I talked to clients about what is good debt, what is bad debt. Yep. That that is really what I talk to them about: good debt, um, house debt, car debt under under five percent. Let's just say, um, you know, zero interest uh, loans from homemakers, something like that. Um, that's good debt. So you don't necessarily need to pay that off. You can pay it off a little bit quicker than normal, but you don't necessarily need to make that the focus of what you're what you're doing with your money. Uh, bad debt, obviously credit cards, high interest, uh, you know, like loans. Most credit cards are north of 18%. It, it's right wild. Now. Yeah, yeah. So, and we're seeing the consumer spending data and, and debt data for consumers skyrocket. So mm-hmm. that's a concerning thing because those interest rates are not cheap and they're variable, right? Versus your they, fixed. Ex- maybe your explain fixed, that. Yeah. yeah. Variable rate, like credit card debt, credit cards can adjust monthly. I don't think people yeah, know that. Yeah. And so, so if interest rates skyrocketed here the last nine months, we've gone from the fed funds rate to basically nothing to, I don't know what it is, four and a half percent, whatever it is. For example, you know, those credit card companies are setting, you know, they're, they're, what they're lending that money out or letting you use on that credit card debt based on the fed funds rate or based on, you know, interest rates as a whole, depending on how they're, they're structured and those can adjust monthly. So if rates have gone up and we've seen rates historically, you know, the pace they've moved the last 12 months is a historic amount. So people are, are seeing that and, and paying yeah. a significant portion of interest rate on their credit card. I don't know the statistics, but I know it's 
jumped up a lot how much credit card debt people are carrying over since COVID. And yeah, I think a lot of people accumulated it during COVID because they were online shopping or bored or <laughs> whatever, but, uh, all of the above. It's yeah, a good, that's a good point too. I was, uh, I'm, Again, I was fucking like preaching. I don't want to come across that way, but it's like Preach. those those decisions of like putting something on a credit card. Like, is it is it you know necessary or discretionary? Right. Like right now, we're in that period where things are a little tighter. I think we can see like inflation's catching up with people. Saving rates are going down. You know, wants and needs, wants and needs, and that's a that's an important thing. Do I need to have that credit card balance for for this next six months? Knowing that, hey, Christmas. You know, I got to have money saved for Christmas. I got to, so making sure having those conversations and, and, you know, thinking before you just hit the button. It's so easy just to say Apple pay and double click yeah. and you got it at your house two days. We're in a spending world. Well, I see now you can like buy stuff on, everything isn't on a stall payment. Yeah. Like you could buy clothes, like a hundred dollar dress and you can pay 25. I'm like, wow. Apple like kind of makes you do a lot of their like Apple watches and stuff. They want you to be on like the installment payments with Apple. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. They're trying to get everyone to just the recurring revenue or just like Netflix, you know, $12 a month. <laughs> and I'm going to tie this back to the beginning again, just reviewing yourself. Like we obviously financial advisors are so important, but to just keep checking in on yourself, like how much money am I making? Is my income going up? Is it going down? How much do I, what is my goal? Do I want to be investing 15% a year or whatever it may be? And that can also direct you. Should I be paying this debt off? Or are we going to, are we worried right now? Do we have our emergency fund saved? There's so many variables into it. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to come and ask a financial advisor, what I should do as far as paying off debt or investing uh, versus investing, we're, we're typically always going to tell you to, to diversify that, you know, do, do, you know, a little bit of both, but at the same time, know what interest rate you're paying. And that's a simple look online or uh, phone call to, to figure out what interest rate you're paying, because that's the, I wouldn't say it's a frustrating thing, but when I, when I ask people what interest rate and they don't know, it's like, well, I can't give you, I can't yeah. give you advice if I don't know what interest rate you're paying. Um, so a lot of times they'll have to leave that meeting, go make those calls and get that information back to me. And then we can, uh, make a better, uh, make a better judgment on what we should do. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of, this isn't so much, uh, interest rates, but me and Cole J and actually Eddie were talking about this too negotiating bills. Like, I don't think people understand this. We were talking about medical bills and you had a family member who had a huge medical bill was just paying off a little at a time and just maybe sitting through right now and organizing. Okay. What do I, you can call some of these places and a lot of the credit card companies, yes, that's you, can, you. you can do some things where you can get on a, you can lock in a rate where it's like, Hey, I'm not going to use the card anymore. They, they feel like they're not going to get paid back the full balance. If they don't, the credit card company always says, so you can do some things where you can call and negotiate. And, you know, there is some negotiation there. And obviously, they're not going to be like, just, hey, wipe my, you know, yeah. wipe my debt clean. I'll let me restart from scratch. But, you know, there are things to do. And that's, that's you know, it takes the initiative. You know, you got to go out and do that or talk to, you know, talk to Cole. I'm giving Cole all kinds of shout outs today. But yeah. go talk to Cole P. You've been listening to How to Money with Cole and Cole, the podcast of the Central Financial Group, courtesy of Spin Market. To learn more, visit their website at www.centralfinancialgroup.com and follow them on all their social media platforms. For now, I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. And we'll see you on the greens. Four. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated.
Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only, and it is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification does not insure against loss. Any guarantees discussed refer only to fixed insurance products and are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company.